Good morning and welcome to Nonprofit U, episode four of From Dream to 501c3. My goal in sharing this is not only share a little bit of the technical side of running a nonprofit, but really to share the heart of running your nonprofit, kind of the ups and downs. So I'll be telling you some of the good, the bad, the ugly. Hi, my name is Gary Dawson, and I am thrilled to have you on this journey with me. A little bit of housekeeping. Uh, as I finished the last episode, I was talking about filling up our reuse center, and I suddenly segued uh, into not only talking about saving 17,000 tons of material from the landfill, but also the opportunity to help people and to change their lives. Somebody asked me, how'd you go from saving the planet to changing lives? Well, I'm glad you ask. Uh, I want to warn you about getting involved in your nonprofit. You're truly going to become a different person over the next 5, 10, 20 years. As you get involved in other people's lives, you'll undergo a little bit of a, a heart surgery. As a business person, I'd always been kind of a bring yourself up by your bootstraps kind of guy. Uh, in my eyes, I, I, I wasn't born with much advantage in life, raised poor, not overly academic to say the least. And, uh, you know, come on, if I can do it, so can you. That was always my attitude. But then, but then I, I started running into guys at the reuse center working for me. They were on work release or they were working off uh, community service. And, uh, boy, it made all the difference in the world to me. I started learning about these guys. We're a small shop with just about six or seven employees. So, so I spent plenty of guys work, plenty of time. I'm sorry, working hand in hand with these guys. And I got to hear the stories about going to jail in June and getting out at, and, Midnight in the middle of December with no money, no clothes, and, and now you're a convicted felon. Go out, rent an apartment, get a job, and, and oh, by the way, stay away from all your old friends. And, you know, and, and these guys are let out in December. Many of them didn't even have a coat to call their own. So uh, a little bit of, of, of background. So they, they'd walk up to the homeless shelter uh, the next day and try to get a cot for the night if the place had any to share. Hopefully they weren't filled up yet with no money in their pocket. And the next day, they'd go to a day labor job, if you've got those around you. And, and if they got picked to go to work that job, to, to get a job, they'd get on a bus, and they would take them as, as far as an hour, hour and a half away. But the good news, they provided them with a bag lunch. And they, were, they weren't paid for the time they were on the bus, round trip. So by the time they deducted for the bus trip and a lunch, most of the time these guys would walk away with about 40 to 50 bucks for the day. Enough to buy a pack of smokes, a Red Bull, and, and maybe get a sandwich at a gas station. So now you got 30 bucks to your name. Rinse, repeat, and start all over the next day. Finally, after a week or two of this, maybe you've been able to cobble together 75 bucks, and now you can leave the drop-in center and go and rent a room in a halfway house. And I'm telling you, uh, I'm telling these guys to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. They didn't even have a bootstrap. Uh, at, at any time, I would have four or five of these guys working for me. And, uh, you know, they work relentlessly and they were getting very little money. Most of it was subsidized through the state, making minimum wage for me. But that was more than they were making. At least they didn't have to pay uh, for the lunch that I provided or anything else. So, one day I'm working with these guys and we were slammed. We had a semi, and this was at the reuse center. We had a semi of donations 
and we had to get it unloaded. And it was one of these days we were just running into a long day. And, and Scott, he was one of the guys, and he was a big old guy, nice guy, friendly, funny laugh, just a, just a real gregarious kind of guy. And Scott was the only guy who could stay late until we got the thing unloaded. And, and he hung in there. The guy worked like a borrowed mule. I mean, he was really strong and steady worker. So we worked side by side, and we finally got this thing unloaded. It was cold that night, so uh, Scott didn't have a car or a bike, so I, I offered him a ride home. So I, I took him to his apartment, which was only about a mile away. And when I pulled up in front of this building, I thought the building was abandoned. It was a four-story brick house with peeling paint, broken windows, seedy-looking guys hanging out there, probably drug dealers. They really, I, I hated to leave him off, but that was where he lived. So next day I asked Scott, I said, man, <laughs> if that's the outside, what was it like on the inside? And he laughed and he said, well, it isn't nearly as nice on the inside as it is as on the outside. And I'm like, wow. He explained that he was in a very small room. He had a bed. He had a door that would not lock. He had busted windows that he stuffed towels into. The heat barely worked to keep him from freezing. There was one nasty bathroom on each floor and an old uh, busted up dresser. And because the door wouldn't lock, he had to take everything he owned, put it in a back sack, and every day uh, take it with him so it wouldn't be stolen. And I'm like, wow. And and this raised a, a righteous indignation in me. You know, this is America. This is the greatest country in the world. Social services on every street corner, nonprofits uh, all over the place. And here were these guys falling through the cracks. So... I got a little up in arms, and I thought, well, I'll see what I can do to help him out. So I contacted all the nonprofits and social services in our area, and I was told that the guys like Scott, they were under the Department of Corrections, and uh, they were stretched so thin they really didn't have the resources to help him out. So I'm like, wait a minute, let me get this straight. We spend, as a country, about thirty to $60,000 a year to keep a guy in prison. But we can't help the guy uh, a few bucks to find him a decent place to live and and maybe put him on the right path. So, again, I am I am the farthest thing from a, a bleeding heart. But I just saw this and, and I thought this isn't right. Not not in the United States. Uh, you know, these guys are released. They're patted on the head and told to, to go and sin no more. No money probably burned every bridge with friends and family, no job, and now a felony conviction. Now, that was the day, when I, when I started thinking about all this, that was the day that Reset Ministries was born. And this is what I want to share with you. When you have a vision and you have the passion, to me that is 10 times more important than a big bag of money and a, a fancy degree. You know, uh, forget forgetting about all the other social programs and, and other nonprofits, I decided that day I was going to try to change the trajectory of at least a couple of people's lives. Uh, and we started and said, let's, let's go ahead and start putting this thing together. Uh, forget about what we don't have, the bazillions of things that I don't have, and, and let's focus on my assets. What, what do I have? Well, I got, I got, Reset, or I got re reuse center. We got a warehouse full of building materials. I got the knowledge on how to rehab houses, 
And I know everyone in northern Kentucky who's investing in flipping in houses. So maybe maybe I can help find a place that will be a little bit better with these guys. So within a couple of months, we put together uh, two houses with eight guys. Uh, that man, that was a good news. We, we got this together. I, I got together with some guys and I'll go into more detail. This is kind of the cliff notes. Um, but I was able to get, get a lease on two houses, real, real cheap, put in some of our, our materials, put in some labor. And now I had eight guys that were out of the cold. The bad news is that within just a few months, we had created two of the the finest crack houses in northern Kentucky. It was a total train wreck. I knew how to get houses, but I didn't know how to develop a recovery program. And this was what these guys really needed. And and then to to top the whole thing off, uh, my buddy Scott, the guy that I started this whole thing for, uh, found out that uh, he had gone to see his PO, a parole officer, at lunch, and he never came back. And whenever guys wouldn't come back for a day or two, I would always, there was a thing called jail tracker, so I could find out if they were in a jail, and sure enough, he was back in jail. And later I was told by him that uh, he had made a homemade wizenator. And for those that don't know what a wizenator is, uh, it, when you when you can't pee, take a pee test using your own pee. You borrow somebody else's pee, and you put a bag underneath your armpit. You tape it there, and then you run a tube down to your privates, and you squeeze that, and out comes some clean pee. And you put it in a cup and give it to your PO, and you're good for another week. Well, Scott didn't have the money to buy a wizenator. So he squeezed a little bit too hard to pee in the jar, and he blew the tube out, and all the pee ran down under his arms, and he was taken away very unceremoniously, handcuffed and taken to jail. You know, do not pass go, do not collect $200, right to jail for you. And you can actually buy a Wizenator that really works. I've heard that they're for about 120 bucks online. But Scott didn't have the money, so uh, he decided he was going to make his own, and it cost him about six months. Again, the good news: uh, Scott's been in and out of my life for the last 10, 12 years, and he's doing fine. And Reset Ministries is doing fine. But in the beginning, just like me. Maybe things are going to be a little shaky. Things aren't going to weigh the way the way you drew them up. But if you hang in there, you can do some great things. In the next episode, I'm going to share how we went from total train wreck to world-class ministry. If you'd like to find out a little bit more about us, you can reach us at www.nonprofitu.com. That's www.nonprofit-u.com. Thanks for listening. This is Gary Dawson signing off.